The Coffee Podcast is sponsored by KitchenAid, whose craft coffee line is changing the way coffee is brewed at home. KitchenAid worked with baristas and coffee experts to engineer a new line of coffee brewers. The KitchenAid Precision Press Coffee Maker enhances the classic French press brewing method with an integrated scale and timer to precisely brew a bold, full-bodied cup of coffee. KitchenAid. Life tastes better with coffee. You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people and our language is coffee. I'm Jesse Hartman, and I will be the only host today. Wes is out sick. He, uh, you know, word on the street is when you move to Austin, Texas, about two years in or three years in, the allergies hit you like crazy. And uh, poor Wes is, I think, out, probably sleeping right now somewhere. So just somewhere, not in his bed. I don't know where. But today we're going to do a very special episode, and when I say special, I mean um, it might rub some of you very wrongly. It might just set you off. It might make you just want to turn your your podcast off. It might make you want to unsubscribe. It might drive you even to throw your phone across the room. Okay, it's not that serious. But I would love to introduce to you, well, first of all, a mini-series that I will like to call Haters Gonna Hate. And uh, <clears throat> and the idea is that some people just don't, they don't like coffee. And I know that sounds sacrilegious on the show, and it kind of is, but I feel like it's, you know, if we're gonna be people-focused, you know, we can't, we can't just ostracize the ones who don't like coffee. And uh, so today I would like to introduce you to my four-year-long roommate, Matthew Castaneda. I said your last name's so weird. <laughs> it's pronounced Castaneda. There you go. But that's okay. But, so here's the thing. Matt has been my roommate for four years. And he does not like coffee. And trust me, I have served him all sorts of delicious coffees. And even Wes. Even Wes has made Matt coffee convinced that he can, you know... Make Matt enjoy it. And so <clears throat> we're going to kind of just tear it up a little bit and ask Matt some questions. Let's just start with Matt. When did you have your first taste of coffee? Like, what was that experience like? I think my earliest experience was with uh, probably seeing my father drink coffee. We call it just black coffee. Maybe on the show you call it something a little fancier. But I remember just looking at this coffee and thinking it looks like death. And sure enough, as a kid, I would taste it and it would taste like death. But because I'm a little bit older, you know, I have a few, you know, I have a bigger vocabulary to actually call it which it is, call it what it is, which is, I just think it tastes like dirt. (laughs) So... Your first experience with... Now, was there anything in your first experience that was delightful at all? Was there like, you know, did did was the idea of your dad sitting and drinking a cup of coffee, like that was a nice idea? Or like, were, were there any positive things you could take out of those experiences or nothing? Like it was just that traumatic? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's not completely unsalvageable. <laughs> Unsalv- it's all right. Neither one of us can do words. Yeah, today. words are hard. You could salvage it. So... 
one thing I did appreciate was waking up in the morning and uh, enjoying the smell of coffee. And, and uh, I suppose there was some comfort in knowing that that was kind of a ritual that I could look forward to, the smell. And um, and I, I suppose I, I did enjoy that. So I guess at this point I have to address our listeners and say, you know, Maybe you had a similar experience where, you know, you you originally didn't enjoy coffee and then out of nowhere you, you were like, oh, wow, you know, you had a cup that you were actually like fond of. Or maybe you like slowly converted uh, over maybe lots of milk and sugar and slowly less and less and less. Um, or maybe, just maybe, there's some of you out there listening so curious who are like Matt and hate coffee. And I hope you ca- you're catching this one. Because this is just the beginning of the torment that we're going to put Matt through uh, here in the next next episodes that we're going to have him on as we kind of test different things on him. But let's dive a little deeper into these emotions, into these perspectives on coffee. Um, and something, hopefully we can get to a point um, that, you know, I may be trying to make here about, uh, not the show, but coffee in general. So Matt... Um, Tell me about your experiences with, I don't know, me kind of like give getting you to try coffee. Was there anything different? Were you like, hey, this is just as bad as before? Is there any sort of spectrum that you would say, hey, I had a coffee once. It was like this. Or, I mean, you haven't tasted too many coffees, I don't think. Right. I haven't had too many coffees. Like maybe you could count on one hand or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I mean, maybe on two if you count like really, really small sips. Uh, and I think it's. I think having uh, you as a roommate and you being in the world of coffee uh, has really opened my eyes not to necessarily enjoying coffee, but seeing it as uh, something closer to an art, which previously I just regarded it as uh, dirt dirt (laughs) that people just kind of suck down because they need energy. Now, I'm going to have to contrast you a little bit to our other roommate who was here for a bit. I won't name drop just so he won't. Feel, ever feel embarrassed but he was also a roommate for about four years he just recently moved and uh he was not very particular at all about his coffee right as far as I, as far as i remember yeah he was not picky he was not picky at all and you know even being my roommate uh he never was like he never really caught the coffee bug he he, he enjoyed it when when i would bring him a cup of coffee but he would and so i'm just trying to to paint a picture here and to say that you know it's easy to listen to these episodes and think like all we are about ever is about drinking coffee and tasting it and thinking it's amazing. But what's true is, you know, we live amongst the people. <laughs> I'm kind of kidding. That's not really serious. But Matt is a perfect example of someone who has tried coffee um, over a spectrum. You know, he's, he, he tried, you know, his dad's cup of joe. Maybe back in the day it wasn't brewed to ratio spec and all that. But he also tried coffees that I brewed that I thought were pretty nice and even West brewed and that were pretty nice and still didn't like it. And I, if I remember correctly, there was one time he said, this isn't so bad. Is that right? Right. Talk about that one. Let's, let's, let's just try to dive into what was the difference between it tasting like dirt and then it not tasting so bad. What do you think happened? Oh, uh, well, I mean, it. I think the simplest answer may just be that the quality was there. And maybe previously I, you, you know, had tasted really bad quality coffee. 
But in particular, I'm thinking about the times that I was made uh, caffeinated drinks that I that I almost enjoyed. Uh, but of course, these were saturated with milk and honey and at times sugar. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's it's kind of difficult to say, do I really enjoy coffee? You know, can you know on this show, does can you even call it coffee when it's saturated with with these additional things. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, that's actually a really good point. You know, your perspective being, you know, are you really enjoying the coffee if there's milk and sugar? That's something that we actually kind of have, have talked about before on the show, you know. Um, and I don't think it's so much to say, like, you have to drink coffee in its purest form because coffee in its purest form would be, you know, on a tree, you know, in Ethiopia, unpicked. <laughs> and untasted <laughs> or just chewed on like I don't know what you would do so like it's not you know we we you know we process the coffee we roast it up and then we brew it so um that said you can't make the argument that hey like we, you haven't changed coffee even in it's what we might call purest form of drinking a black isn't really pure form and so that's kind of a you know coffee theory I suppose or what have you so what I'm excited about is having Matt back on the show, not just to harass him, well, partially to harass him, mm. <laughs> and also to kind of see like the spectrum. We're going to throw all sorts of stuff at him and to see what he what he might like and what he might just really, really hate. And hopefully this kind of can give us a gauge, especially for those of us in a, in a coffee shop, of what maybe would be good to offer people who don't want to order coffee not because of caffeine, obviously. People who don't want it for caffeine is that's a whole nother ball game. But people who don't want to order it because they don't like it, and maybe we can develop out of that some really interesting perspectives for the coffee shop itself, or even if you're brewing at home for your friends. Thank you, Matt, for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. And get out of here. All right. <laughs> Very cool. What's really cool is Matt is a team player because every time we have to record an episode here in uh, this apartment, we have to turn the AC off. And the reason is it's so loud and the microphone picks up everything. You probably hear uh, creaky chairs all the time. The point is um, he has to sweat it off while we're recording. And so he's a team player, but we're excited for the future. All that to say, this is kind of meant to bring in the conversation, uh, mainly for coffee shops, uh, mainly for baristas, but this can really apply to everybody in the conversation as far as drinking coffee and, and not drinking coffee. Some people genuinely don't like coffee, and it's not so much uh, an issue of, hey, your palate is not refined. Or, hey, like, you know, you just need to try it again and again. Or, or, hey, just put more sugar in it. Some people just don't like it. And, you know, for me, I grew up not liking all sorts of things. Um, Brussels sprouts for one until, you know, I moved to a city that, you know, the chefs are killing it and making Brussels sprouts like the best thing ever. And the point is, like, some people just don't like coffee and maybe it's they don't like coffee yet or they just will never like coffee. And what do you do 
with that as a person in the industry? What do you do with that as a person who just likes to brew at home and has a friend who doesn't like coffee? The truth is there's alternatives to coffee or there there's other options that you can chase after other than coffee. And if you're out to be people focused, um, it doesn't, you know, in, in, in the, under the umbrella of coffee, it doesn't necessarily have to involve somebody drinking it. And that's just one can I'd like to open up and let's take it to the shop, to the coffee shop. A lot of shops or maybe some shops, well, there's so many different shops. I mean, I can't just stereotype the whole shop, but let's just say a typical coffee shop offers coffee, obviously. But what a lot of shops are missing is an alternative to coffee. And I'm not saying these shops don't serve an alternative because typically they do. There's like a chai, you know, there's like a chai concentrate or a chai latte or, you know, there's a few select teas. Um, maybe there's something on tap. Maybe, uh, who knows? Maybe there's all sorts of stuff. Maybe you have a retail fridge and you have sodas loaded up. But the experience part in the shop is what I think is extremely important. Obviously, this is going to be an opinion, but I, I believe strongly this um, idea that coffee is really a uh, driving force for community. And the moment the coffee you know, turns people away or the moment the coffee, coffee shops, I'm sorry, I keep saying coffee. The moment that coffee shops are serving one group of people that walk through the door and they're not serving another with the same sort of, uh, you know, perfection or, or skill, uh, something's wrong. Something's wrong in the hospitality perspective and those shops. And, you know, at home too, if you, you know, if you have friends coming over and one of them doesn't, you know, drink coffee and you're like preparing specialty coffee for all your friends, what do you do for the friend who, or friends who don't drink coffee? Do you just say, hey, well, hey, there's some milk in the fridge or, or how do you accommodate that? Or do you think about it? And, um, and how often do we really consider coffee to be an awesome opportunity to build community, not just in the shop, but in you know, a home. And what we want to jump into here is really to break down what it means to serve. And let's stick to the cafe. What it means to serve guests who are walking in who don't drink coffee. Now, I'm going to just read a little segment from one of my favorite uh sources essentially that I started with when I really got deep into coffee. Uh, it's a it's a little book by Scott Rao um, who essentially put together all this information um, sort of like the beginning for me like the beginning sciences that have been like written down about coffee and ratios and all that jazz and he put it into a book called the professional barista's handbook which when you're you know, when you're not, when, when you're a barista, you, you never really put the word professional in front of it. And so this is an obvious buy for somebody really aspiring um, to to become a better barista. And really his hospitality side is also very, very good. Um, and uh, anyway, so 
he discovered, you know, City Bean Coffee in Los Angeles, and that was kind of the thing that took him off in 1992. Uh, and from that point on, he's just really been um, pushing, and not pushing is not a good word. He's really been advocating for great coffee, and he even speaks at seminars, um, as far as I know, all over all over the world. Um, I know for a fact he he was recently in Texas. Maybe that's been a year or so ago now, but uh, he travels and my my the thing that really spiked my interest was like you know I went through the book a few times, but what really spiked my interest was the last chapter called "You Will Not Believe It," tea. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to uh, quote him here. Quite a big quote, so brace yourself. Chapter nine, tea. Quote: Well, many baristas. Baristi, baristi, however you want to say that. I never use that word. Come on. While many baristi have recently become fanatical about careful espresso preparation, more are still in the dark ages about making quality tea. It would be nice to see a few more cafes treat their tea programs with a fraction of the respect they give their espresso programs. As they've learned to do with espresso over the last 20 years, Baristae need to do their part to educate the clientele and offer something special, or their tea program will always be a wasted opportunity. End quote. I just want to kind of sit on that for a second. And the reason is tea seems to be present almost in every single coffee shop that I've been to. And the experience kind of is always the same. You know, you have like a few iced options. You have a few hot options, and this is something that I have been, um, you know, really kind of searching the the corners of my brain to say, have I really been serving the people who come in here to get tea? Have I been doing that well? And uh, in my shop, we, you know, we steep the tea um, loose leaf if it's in-house, and if it's to go, we have kind of like prepackaged um tea bags that that we put into um the hot cups it gets difficult when people are getting tea to go for sure and so you can't quite accommodate that unless people really do want to wait for their tea but most of the time they don't and back to the the in-house tea let's just kind of think about it how many shops or are you doing this in your shop how many places are really considering their tea are they really dialing in their tea and how do you do that um some teas require different temperatures, believe it or not, and different ratios to, to water. And how many shops are, are using hot water that is too hot or hot water that's not hot enough? Most likely not, because I think most, most shops are scorching their tea. And even beyond that, are they doing loose tea or not? And what is the difference? And... I'm not going to un- unravel all the information, and I've, I certainly don't know all there is to know about tea. But it is something really interesting to think about if you work in a shop, or if you own a shop, or if you're at home and you're brewing for your friends, and your your one friend who doesn't drink coffee is sitting there feeling awkward. What do we do in these situations? How do we be people focused? Well, thanks to Scott, we have a resource to know how tea should be brewed. 
And I'm, I'm not just trying to sell this book. I genuinely go to it all the time to refresh myself on some things that maybe I haven't thought about in a bit. But the tea section is the one I guarantee you I spend the least amount of time in. And I think, you know, that kind of follows the point. So, you get into, you know, dose and you get into steeping time and rinsing and, you know, your general preparation, uh of teas and you realize like, wow, I'm doing, maybe I'm doing a lot of things wrong or maybe you're a tea shop. Oh no, here we go. Maybe you're a tea shop and you have terrible coffee, <laughs> which I think is a higher offense. Just kidding. So the point is, and I, I guess I'm really just try, trying to stir one of, uh, one of you listeners up to go do something about this. I really want somebody to open a shop that has phenomenal tea and phenomenal coffee. And if you could please stick it in Austin, Texas, that would make me very glad. But let's think about, you know, the fact that black tea um, is easily overextracted, right? It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like coffee in that sense, right? Uh, oolong tea can be steeped like multiple times. I remember I, I was, uh, I don't remember where I was, but somebody was telling me, yeah, yeah, dude, stoop, uh, steep that again. I'm like, what do you mean steep it again? It's like, yeah, you know, just, you know, put it back in and, and pour the water over it and let it sit. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That is horrific. I would never do that with my coffee. Now I'm wondering, even in my in my head right now, like, have I tried that with coffee, and what would happen? Oh, it probably wouldn't be good because it'd be kind of like the like the black tea. But oolong tea can be steeped multiple times, and in fact, like it's the third or fourth time that maybe it's like the best. But how am I supposed to know that? Well, I'm gonna have to try it. And then you have green tea, um, which. <laughs> I mean, how many shops have green tea and they're and they're throwing like, I don't know, how hot is the water? I'm, I'm thinking of shops that throw 200 degree water on green tea to brew it, right? And the recipe calls for 150 to 180 degree water. What do you do when you're throwing? You wonder why green tea needs sweetener in most places. I can think of, of places I've been to. I've tried the green tea and I go, no, I'll just have a coffee. And sometimes I don't feel like coffee. But, like, I typically try the alternative, and I'm like, you know what? I think I will get coffee because I'll enjoy it more. Yikes. And now you, you can also get into white teas, and there's, like, extremely delicate. There's, like, white rose teas, if I'm, if I'm correct. And I have a guest who comes in, and she's telling me, you guys should get a, should get a rose tea, and they're, like, the best thing to ever happen. And she was telling me, you know, you put a little bit of honey in it, and maybe a little cream. And it sounded like that was like, that's like the way to do it. And I obviously am revealing how un, how, how, how I don't know anything about tea really. And I'm, I'm trying to serve a good tea, but you know, how many of us are just kind of just flying over this thing? Well, the coffee program needs a lot of work. The, the, the uh, baristas need a lot of milk training. The, you know, the espresso has to be dodged and ever so perfectly. And then we go to the tea and we throw it, you know, into 200 degree water. We stick it in a cup. We don't steep it. We hand it to the guests and we say, enjoy. Even just saying enjoy in that situation makes me feel terrible. 
And I think I did it, not recently, but long ago, I used to like do that and say, hope you like your tea, see you later. And I just don't think it's consistent. I think if you're in specialty coffee, um, in the shop especially, in the cafe especially, you're not being consistent when you do everything so perfectly and everything so calculated and everything so knowledgeable. And then you get to the tea, and I'm beating up on tea because it's probably the one we can hit on the most, but you know, you do anything else and it's just not to the same degree. And I have to ask you, are you being consistent? And not are you being consistent for your own sake even, but are you being consistent for the guest's sake? Um, there's kind of a saying, um, I didn't really come up with it necessarily, or maybe it was an idea that came into my head over many conversations, but the idea is, you know, your, your, your lowest, the thing that you offer that is like your least thing. Um, so I don't know, tea, for example, it's your least thing. If it is your most, if somebody can buy your least thing and go away, blown away, then what does that say about your not least things to them? And what are the odds that a person who comes in for a tea has a phenomenal cup of tea and walks away going, if that's good at this coffee shop that's known for its coffee, then what is its coffee like? Like, what are the odds that that kind of service and that kind of hospitality and that kind of like, you know, just just acceleration in the in the area of hospitality and care for the guests to that point could drive them into trying a coffee because heck the tea was amazing and are we really thinking like that in shops and again you can apply this at home this isn't just in shops and I like to like to say as well you know if if you are a cafe to consider yourself like a home that you're inviting your guests into and to treat them like you're gonna you cook them an extravagant meal like don't let them come into your shop to purchase anything without not making them, but but meeting them in a place that makes them feel at home. Coffee is a great way to bring people together of all different kinds. And I'm starting to sound really corny, but I mean, you have your technology buffs, you have your Instagram uh, you know, people that just come in and want to get a good picture. You have your your families that are visiting from out of town. You have all these people and they come to the coffee shop just because, you know, maybe they want a coffee. And grandma doesn't drink coffee. She drinks tea. You know, she drinks a non-caffeinated tea. And how are you going to serve grandma in a way that blows her mind? And maybe it won't blow her mind, but how do you serve her in a way that it's the best and it's the least thing you offer? And are we thinking like this? And at home, think about it at home. You have your friends over, you have a group of people over, and that one person who normally feels left out in group outings because, you know, either caffeine just destroys them or or they just don't like coffee. <laughs> Matt, my roommate. Like, how are you accommodating them? And are you accommodating them? It doesn't I'd say yes. But it doesn't matter. And if it doesn't matter to you, then, then it doesn't matter to you. But it matters to me. And I think it should matter to shop owners, not just not just because you want to take care of the people, because that should be true, I hope. 
But also it's good for business, just to be frank. Can you imagine that you have people standing in line who just come to you and pass five other shops on the way because they want one of your delicious teas? I'm just food for thought. Food for thought. I'm just going to take the next few minutes that we have left here on the podcast and talk about something that I kind of meant to talk about a little sooner, which is this kind of really cool idea that was started online for swapping coffees, kind of like coffee pin pals. It's called Coast to Coast Roast. And you can find these guys on Instagram. Uh, at It's coast number two, coast roast. It's kind of like, I feel like I'm in a Dr. Seuss book. I don't know why. But the idea is that you sign up for their monthly coffee swap. And you buy a specialty or third wave, you know, coffee. And you send it to somebody that you're matched up with. So first you get matched with somebody who is measured as equally passionate as you in your coffee endeavors. And then you buy coffee for that person. You, you end up shipping it. And then you get something from that person as well. And they get what you had. And there's this opportunity to talk about the coffee that you're both enjoying in you know, Instagramming and what have you. And it's a really cool way to meet people over coffee without being right next to them. So check them out. Remember, you can always hit us up on Instagram at The Coffee Podcast or hit us up on the website at thecoffeepodcast.org. Remember, focus is people and our language is coffee. Thanks for listening.